Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Voice Memo Diaries, a podcast that I have missed very, very much. Not in like a weird parasocial relationship way, in like a I very much enjoy recording these episodes and discussing these things with people. Um, and like the outlet, I've missed it a lot. Honestly, it's not even parasocial because the majority of people who listen to this are my friends. So, those are real social relationships. But that aside, I obviously profusely apologize for my absence. And, you know, we're all just doing our best. We move as we can and as we must, which is a quote from, I don't know if I've ever explained that before. If I have, I apologize for being redundant. But if I haven't, it's a quote from one of my um, professors in undergrad. Um, I was like talking to him about not having an assignment ready and he was like, it's okay. We move as we can and as we must. (laughs) And it really stuck with me and I take it with me everywhere that I go, like as a quote in my brain. Um, But anywho, I'm really excited to be recording this episode. Quick backstory, I have already recorded this episode. And I guess I didn't get it right or something. I guess the universe didn't want me to release it because for the first time ever, I like had like a real technical glitch and I lost like basically the whole thing. I didn't even really want to assess how much I lost because I knew it was over half and I knew I wasn't going to be able to like pick it up in the middle and continue on in a way that felt comfortable. Uh, I was heartbroken. And that was a couple weeks ago. So then... I was honestly processing that and I couldn't record another episode. And also I've just been um, busy, but I'm really glad that I'm doing it now. I really enjoy this outlet, like I said. And um, yeah, I hope everyone has been well and that, you know, the dream self is closer than it was the last time we checked in. Um, Okay, so I know in my previous episode, I like, hyped up like the series that I wanted to do. And honestly, still, I don't know. I don't know if I'm like ready to produce that series in the way that I envision it in my head. I don't know if I have the skill set for it yet. So perhaps that's why I haven't done it. But in the interim, I'm going to do episodes as they call to me, you know? So I recorded this episode about, um, being a girl's girl a few weeks ago, and I'm just going to redo it now. I, I think this whole thing has been an intro, and I'm monitoring my time that I've spent. Introing it is only three minutes, but in my brain, I think because I'm listening to myself talk uninterrupted, it seems like it's been forever. And I feel like, you know when you watch a YouTube video, and they're like, well, I don't want to make this intro too long, so let's get into it but like they've already been talking for like seven minutes. So the intro was like already very long. (laughs) I kind of felt like that, but I don't think it's actually been that long. It's only been three minutes. Um, So yeah, quick notes uh, before like when, you know, my usual disclaimers, this one, a girl's girl, we're talking about uh, the gender binary but I figured out a good analogy that I'm, I think I'm gonna use for a while when I talk about gender and, or the patriarchy. And I use the binary as a way to like 
communicate a point, um, which is that the gender binary to me is kind of equivalent to how you learn econ. So you know how when you like take an intro to econ class, they are trying to explain to you supply and demand. So they put like milk on one axis and bread on another axis. And it's like, you have to figure out if it's like for every one more milk you buy, you can buy one less bread. And that is supposed to communicate to you like kind of like the scarcity of money and like how it works in relation to with like kind of allocating money to different resources, whatever. I hate econ. <laughs> Let me start there. <laughs> I hate econ. <laughs> but the concept there is it, you know, in theory, when you're in econ class that you spend money on things that are not milk and bread. You spend money on um, Fenty Glow. <laughs> you spend money on nice soap for when you wash your dishes. You spend money on food delivery, you know, a million things, but they reduce it to milk and bread so that you can like get the concept, which I have to say, I think, <laughs> I think the model needs work in the same way that the concept of the gender binary needs work, but that's what I'll be doing here. I'll be like flattening gender down to like man, woman, but obviously there's so much more than that. And obviously there's every single person has a different presentation of their gender regardless of what it is so but I think that's a good way to to describe kind of my relationship to it um so yeah we have a girl's girl okay and I want to describe why I think that that concept is such a fabulous one one that we can all learn from and I'll say this I think that if you identify as not a woman, you can learn actually a lot from the concept that I'm discussing. Because what it, what to me, I'm going to have in my notes, and my notes are minimal for this episode. But what I have in my notes is that a girl's girl is an anti-capitalist, anti-patriarch, anti-patriarchy hero. I guess it would be anti-patriarchal hero, but whatever. <laughs> um because I just, I know it sounds like a little bit of a stretch, a little bit of a dramatization, but I think that what the concept represents is like, is really deep. So here, follow me. I'm going to set the scene. You're like on a GNO, girls night out, you know, you're in the club, you're having a great time something happens some you get a notification on your phone that in some way hurts your feelings you know it's it's kind of ruined your good time so you maybe like run to the bathroom <laughs> you might be like tears might be forming in your eyes you're, you're having a moment you're like getting the in the stall you're like collecting yourself and you emerge and you look a little disheveled you know you might have been sniffling a little bit and there's someone in the bathroom and they're like, oh, would you like some perfume or some lip gloss? And they're like, oh, your, or they say, oh, your shirt is sticking out right here. Your tag is sticking out. Or they maybe help you fix your hair. That is like, I feel a perfect embodiment of a girl's girl. And so what do we have in that person, you know? In our 
concept of the gender binary, we only have man and woman, right? And then the male is superior to the female. So if you are a man, you're in the upper class. And if you're in the female, you're in the class below. So you have a person in the lower class acknowledging another person in the lower class, right? With kindness, with empathy, with care, like towards them as a person, towards their humanity and helping them, right? And I think it's important to know, I made the note about class because it's important to note that in the binary, right? Like if you acknowledge the people in the lower class, then you will automatically, and you treat them with kindness and respect, you will automatically do that for the upper class. I think sometimes when we like talk about like social justice issues, it kind of gets like a little bit muddied or unclear. And I think, well, what actually happens, I think, is people are worried about like losing their own access to like power and privileges, which is, you know, it can be a scary thing. <laughs> but basically, I think we get we lose the fact that when I treat like the person on the lowest part of the totem pole with, with respect, then I will automatically treat everyone else with respect because like what happens to the person on the bottom will I guess it's the opposite of the trickle up effect. But if you think about it, like if you treat the person who reports to you with respect, it's understood that you also treat the person that you report to with respect because they're higher up on in the echelon, right? So I think the bluest eye kind of really displays that concept well, that book. Um, and if you think about the, the, the character, sorry, the character Piccola, and how everyone is kind of like layered on top of her, but to treat Bacola with respect would be to like be disrupting the entire, all of the systems that oppress her. So basically <laughs> all that to say, all that to say that I feel like um, a person, a, a girl's girl is someone who's able to look at other women and respect them, which means that she automatically looks at men with respect, which means that she looks at everyone, right, in this binary, everyone she's able to treat with respect, kindness, and empathy. And so you have some types of people who, in the binary, even as a woman, are not able to see the humanity in other women. And it's not my vision to, like, shame how people react to being involved in the patriarchy. I know I make mistakes in that regard every single day, as do we all. And not even mistakes. It's just like we're in a negative environment. So we got to handle that differently. And we have different ways that work for all of us. But in essence, I think that the best way, I think that sometimes people can they can absorb the narratives that they're receiving about themselves and others, and they can project them kind of like without even realizing it. Because as a woman, it's to my benefit to treat other women with respect, because if women on the whole, on the aggregate, start getting treated with more respect, I will go with that. 
a like salesy corporate term that I hear at work a lot is um, a rising tide lifts all ships, <laughs> which I kind of hate. <laughs> but in this uh, application, I think it actually really works to describe the phenomenon, which is that anything that I do that benefits people who who in this scenario are in the lowest class, if I'm in the lowest class, it will benefit me. In fact, in fact, rising tide lifts all ships, right? So it will also benefit the people who are in <clears throat> who are in the upper class. So this kind of like draws into how men benefit from feminism because patriarchy is a negative thing for everyone involved. It creates this power struggle. I don't know if y'all can hear Onyx snoring. I hope you can, because it's kind of cute. <laughs> but the sound filtering on this is pretty good, so perhaps not, but it's pretty loud. So anyway, um, it benefits everyone involved because the power struggle that it creates means that everyone is always fighting to be kind of like at the top of the pyramid, which will lead into our next point. Um, but think about everyone climbing up to the top of the pyramid and think about the fact that that means that you're engaged in a constant struggle. So regardless of how high up you are on the pyramid, there is a struggle, an unnecessary struggle, because you're engaged in the competition at all. And so what we can learn from a girl's girl in this regard is that she sees the fact that when she recognizes the humanity in others, particularly the humanity of the lowest class, when she treats them as human beings with kindness and empathy, she is creating a better an environment through her actions that benefits everyone around her, right? It benefits the person that she interacts with, the you broken down, sad in the club. <laughs> it benefits you. It benefits the girls that you go on to interact with because you may treat them with more kindness and empathy, the friends that you came with because you're a little bit more settled, a little bit more soothed. It makes like the place that you're in a better environment, you know? Think about it like, if, a, if there is someone on the dance floor crying, like the environment is not as good if, as if that person was like happy-go-lucky having a great time. I feel like that's a a good, just like a good easy way to understand. It might be like a small difference and you might not even notice it if you're someone who's like way across the room, but those small differences, they are, what is it? Cumulative and they add to each other. And so even small ways that we can recognize and acknowledge the humanity in other people is like, I feel a large way to impact the world around you and to like, you know, be the change you wanna see. <laughs> Hate that, <laughs> hate it so much. I feel like it's like in the same category as like, cheesy MLK Day quotes. Anywho, um, okay, so I was describing the concept of the competition, right? Everyone climbed to the top of the pyramid, and that is the second, like, pillar of why, um, like, what I love about a girl's girl, because she recognizes that she's not in a competition with the people around her. So, <laughs> A classic example of something that I would describe as like outside of the realm of girls' girls' behavior is when 
people like refuse to tell you where they got their top or whatever because like they don't want you to go buy it and then have the same one as them whereas like um someone who is confident in themselves and their ability to pull off the top regardless of who else has it on would be like more than happy to divulge where they got their stuff and tell you that it's on sale and like point you in the right direction you know and in this way a girl's girl recognizes that she is not in a competition with the women around her which is incredibly incredibly important because i think that the false sense of competition is what breeds so much honestly sometimes necessary animosity because and this is like i feel something that people talk about sometimes but not often there's this like weird dichotomy because sometimes being a shared being in a shared identity with someone means that they'll like you more and they'll or they'll be like naturally attuned to you a little bit more they'll consider you a little bit more and they'll help you so like say like um two women in the workplace but sometimes if those two women in the workplace are competing for the one like spot that's assigned to women in the boardroom which happens in a lot of places then actually those women are now less inclined to help each other they're more inclined to cut each other down and be mean and rude to each other and the people around them um and it's like a it's creating a negative environment and it's not those two women's fault that they've been forced into a competition with each other so it's not I'm, what i'm not critiquing is like i said their response to their environment what i'm critiquing is an environment that really only has place for one woman in the boardroom in the first place like to begin with instead of the most qualified people in said boardroom however we know that these dynamics exist and so we want to be cognizant of them because i don't want to be the type of person that is competing with or cutting down the people who are marginalized and who are struggling just as i am struggling i want to help them and uplift them because it will also uplift me if both women are like truly outperforming everyone around them i feel not always that's not how we always make change but sometimes the way change is made is the two women are truly outperforming everyone and so like the institution is forced to consider that it, what it's what's best for itself <laughs> and like a self-preservation mindset is to acknowledge their talents and open seats for both of them and so doing so like i said earlier facilitates my, it's for my benefit as like i'm able to help someone else but i'm also able to get a seat in the boardroom i'm able to maybe expand seats for women to come the men who were in the boardroom to begin with are also benefiting because both of our talents are now represented we have better ideas we have you know like better solutions and so everyone like i said everyone benefits from this general understanding of this general commitment to not being in a competition with others in a way that's like detrimental um and i, I want to take a second to acknowledge that the competition is not just gender based and i actually think that the notion of being in competition with people around you is you can find it most um easily in capitalism and it's deeply 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 ingrained into our our perception of reality because 
think about it this way. You're really in competition with everyone around you from like the moment that you're born. If you, the easy ways to think about it is like a class rank in school or when you're playing on teams or when you're trying to get grades on a curve or whatever. Um, But like think about being in competition with your siblings or think about being in competition with the other girls to get attention from the guy that you like. Or think about the fact that, you know how now there's this new statistic that like, I wanna say it's like millennials are the first generation to have like a lower net worth than their parents at like a certain life threshold. Think about how that means that you're in a competition with your parents. And now it's a problem, it's a disruption and an alert to us in our society that we're doing something wrong because uh, the generations are not able to outperform and outpace their parents. But we use that as a check-in with ourselves. Like, you know, we're constantly considering whether or not children are outperforming their parents. Which I think if you take a second to consider it is pretty morbid and pretty disturbing because it reinforces this idea that we're all like running this marathon. You have to achieve, 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 you know, produce, produce, produce. And you're running this marathon and there's like millions, if not billions of other people running alongside you. I think that 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 sentiment is heightened even further with social media because now you're able to see the accomplishments of people who you otherwise would have never even known that they existed. And now you're able to see the the most beautiful and like highlighted moments of their life super easily when you should have no access to what they're doing but that aside capitalism patriarchy all these things that produce competition have you thinking that you're running a marathon right so you're like in when you're born the like little um gun goes off i don't know i don't run (laughs) so but like you know the little like cannon goes off the beginning and you like go through your own little like um ribbon you run through your own little ribbon and then you're off to the races and you're running and there's all these people around you and y'all are all running and you're all trying to get to the same place as fast as possible and even if you're not first you cannot be last and you have to keep running and running and running and if you fall if you stumble and you hurt yourself you just keep going you might sprain your ankle but you're gonna just start hopping on one leg if you get hungry instead of sitting down and having a meal you're gonna eat one of those little you know them jellies that runners eat (laughs) which i feel like are kind of concerning it's just like pure electrolytes and if you get tired you don't take the full time to catch your breath you just like you know, when you just like keep running a little bit longer than you should, and then you jump back in a little bit earlier than you should. Like, and that's how we live life because we feel like we're literally in a marathon running in a competition with people constantly. But I want you to remember and take a moment throughout your day, every day to consider that you are not in a marathon at all. You're not running anywhere. You're not in a race. You're not on a track with any other people. (laughs) When people talk about life path, like you're on your own life path. 
It's distinct and separate from anyone you will ever encounter. Even if you have like a twin, you know, you grow up to be different people. You live different lives. You're not like, the, there is no finish line. You, when you're done, you're done. You don't know when that will be. <laughs> and honestly, people are scared of death. So it's like, why are you racing towards it? <laughs> and just like, you can stop. You can stop and go to sleep. <laughs> you can stop and smell the roses. You know, as they like to say, you can skip. You can play hopscotch. You can do a million things on your own little path that's winding down your own little lane. And you'll see other people while you're on, on this path. There are other people who are visible to you, but they're never going to be walking on the same path as you. And so you never need to be worried about what it is they're doing and how, not like in like a things that they're doing that impact you kind of way, but like things that they're doing that have nothing to do with you, a promotion at their job. <laughs> like. It might have something to do with you if you're planning a little celebration dinner. But other than that, like, you're on your own path. You're not in a competition with that person. If you love that person, you want to wish them well. You want to be, like, kind and supportive. Which brings me into a third pillar. I think a girl's girl is a good friend. <laughs> like, someone who is unable to truly support the people around them because they feel that they're in competition with them cannot be a good friend and i feel sometimes it's like like we've established a million times it's not necessarily of the fault of that person but if you make a commitment to yourself that you want to be have and be a better friend because i feel like in order to have better friendships you must <laughs> be a better friend you can discern who's attuned to you a little bit better and you can support those people more easily and think about you know the the type of friend who like something good happens to you and they're like oh yeah but did you I'm trying to think of like something negative to say <laughs> but nothing came to me off the top of my head you know because I'm just such a good friend joking but you know the kind of person who um, you get a promotion at work and you say you get a 20K bump and they're like, mm, could have been 30, you know? Like they want to cut you down. They don't want to see you happy. They might be disloyal to you or dishonest with you or do things that seem like they're designed to sabotage you. And I firmly believe, honestly, that sometimes when people do this, they don't even process why like what is motivating them to undercut the people that they supposedly have a connection with. But it's this sense of competition. If you feel like your friend, even if she's your best friend, but if you feel like your friend is competing with you for the same guys in the bar, okay? This goes back to our first, our first girl's girl scene. If she feels like I'm competition for her because she needs to find a husband tonight, then she's not going to spritz me with perfume and help me put on a little bit of extra lip gloss and like make sure I'm good because she doesn't want to see me good. <laughs> she wants to see me struggling so that it will be easier for her to have the spotlight. And a girl's girl knows that it doesn't matter 
if I have lip gloss on because hers is good. Does it matter? Like for her, you know, she's assured in herself. She knows that she's okay and capable and she knows that she's not in a competition with me. So she's not worried about assisting me. Because think about it, if you're like running a race and you see someone that's hobbling behind, you know, it's always this big scene in a movie when someone like turns around in a race and like helps someone who's struggling. And why is that? It's because that person is literally compromising their own like outcome in this race. And if the race is a metaphor for life, (laughs) you know, they're compromising their own outcome in this race in order to help someone else. And that's huge because it's like a a large level of self-sacrifice. But if you know internally that you're not in a race at all, then turning to help the person behind you who's struggling, who you can connect with, but on your own on your own little bubble, in your own little in your own little lane, it's so much easier. And um, it's important that we recognize that not being in a competition means it will like recognizing that you're not in competition will improve your ability to engage in the relationships with the people around you because it allows you to really reflect on like why you feel the way that you feel about another person because i'll say this even if you don't perceive yourself to be in competition with others like internally externally you're getting fed signals that you are every day our whole world is designed to make us feel like we're fighting against everyone like think about the concept of like promotion at work or i keep talking about promotion at work i don't know why but it feels applicable to all of my examples but like social media is a great example everything about that (laughs) is like trying to convince you that it's trying to, you compare yourself to the lives of the people that you see and you compare yourself, why? Because you think you're in a competition. Okay, so we've arrived at the scenario that we don't think we're in a competition anymore. I'm good, I'm not worried about what other people are up to. And I can feel that way in my own brain, in my bed when I'm meditating before I start my day. But as soon as I start to intake signals from the world around me, I'll begin to feel differently. And I will begin to feel jealousy towards other people. And that is okay. It's not an indication of the fact that you are like in the rat race, you know, struggling against everyone else. I actually think that being able to identify jealousy, what it means, where it comes from and how to course correct is a really good indication of the fact that you're not in a competition with others because You know that saying, it's like the first thought that pops into your head is conditioning, society's conditioning. And then the second one that follows is like what you think. So if you think, for instance, something negative about your body when you see it in the mirror, but then your second thought is like, ah, you know, let me stop being mean to myself. The second, your second thought is what you, you actually think, because that's when you have had time to process the situation, but your knee jerk reaction is gonna be something that's a little bit outside of yourself, something that's been taught to you, right? So I think, hold on, (laughs) I lost my train of thought. I was like, 
really firing on on all cylinders for a second there. But um okay, so jealousy will happen. It it's a like a natural I feel like response to the propaganda that you're competing with the people around you. But you know, we take a moment to recognize how why we feel that way. Why do I feel stressed when I see someone's LinkedIn update and they've gotten seven degrees while they had four jobs and they're debt free plus they have, you know, a new house, (laughs) which is like an exaggeration, but sometimes it feels that way, especially like because because the concept of resumes and like LinkedIn and everything is is a performance. So you're just like peacocking, <laughs> which you must do in order to, to participate in the game because everyone thinks they're in a competition, you know? But you have to like over display what you've accomplished and over communicate your successes in order to be taken seriously. And so you say to yourself, okay, so you, you're you on a platform. You recognize that you're on a platform that does that. So when you're on that platform, you say to yourself, okay, I feel stressed out that so-and-so has gotten their MBA. Why, in like, and their last, with, with um, a fifth year after undergrad, why does that make me feel stressed? And then you say to yourself, it's maybe because I feel a little bit worried about the fact that I don't really want to go back to school anymore now that I've exited, but I, I've always wanted extra degrees. So now this like push and pull of like, should I go to grad school? Should I not? is stressing me out a little bit. And I worry about my life path and my plan. Okay. That's how, that's what's making you feel that jealousy. Now you know that about yourself. So now you can maybe journal about it. You can talk to one of your friends. You can talk to the friend who got their MBA. Cause maybe you talk to the friend and they're like, yeah, I think this was cool, but I would have done it this way. Or I wish I would have waited this X amount of time. Like you prevent yourself from even learning from the experiences of those around you. If you pigeonhole yourself into thinking you're com- into a competition or if you swing too far in the other direction and you try to ignore every semblance of like jealousy or weirdness that you feel, you also like don't benefit from that. So a girl's girl, what is she doing? I feel like I gotta bring it back to her always. She's acknowledging, she might even say, okay, so in this example, when we're in the bathroom, she might say, look at you and she might be like, she might love you, love your dress. And for a second, she might think to herself, ah, I wish I had an outfit like that on. She looks so good in that outfit. But instead of being weird or being rude or not offering to help, instead, she might say, hey, I love your dress. Where did you get it? And then you, another girl's girl, are going to respond, oh my gosh, I thrifted it. But I checked the tag and it's originally from, I don't know. I don't want to even say a brand name because <laughs> A, you know, I could get caught up because brands always disappoint people, <laughs> let people down, and you can look silly attaching it into a brand. And B, if I get sponsorships one day, you know, I don't want to pigeonhole myself. <laughs> but that's basically the example, you know? Someone who's willing to check in with themselves, like, why do I 
why did I just think that thought? And then what can I do to ensure the best outcome for myself, knowing that I thought this thought, right? Knowing that I wish that I had an outfit like that, the best way for me to get a little bit closer to that person, to that to the version of myself who has an outfit is to ask this girl right here who has it on where she got it. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's also worth noting that you, what I'm saying about being kind and empathetic towards others doesn't necessarily mean that you will like everyone around you, that you'll click with them, that like you'll be besties. That's not what I'm insinuating. Like there's some people who have an ability to be friends and make make true authentic connections with a lot of those, a lot of people that they encounter. And there's some people that don't. And I feel like we're all like a little bit in between. But what I'm talking about is not being nice. Being nice is a superficial thing, right? It's like, it is, it could be the same actions, asking you if you're okay, helping, yada, yada, yada. But the intentions are a little bit different. I feel like being nice is for the perception of others and being kind is for the reception of others, perhaps. Like, I feel like you are nice to receive, to receive positive feedback and you're kind to put something positive out into the world, right? So this means that you respect the people around you. It doesn't mean that you have to jive with the people around you because I think sometimes too, like, well, women are already socialized to accommodate. <laughs> and that's actually like really interesting and something that I'm thinking a lot about recently. But because we're socialized to accommodate, I don't think that a lot of women have actually a problem with like literally being polite to the people that they encounter, right? But it's it's past that it's being like genuinely and truly like concerned for the well-being of others genuinely caring about people that you interact with that i feel like comes from mutual respect and that can mean that you see someone and you don't necessarily like have a long conversation with them but if they need something or if you can assist them then you're willing to do that I just wanted to make that point because I feel like sometimes when we talk about the ways that we want to interact with each other, especially as women, there's there can be like there can be all types of different narratives about how we should behave. And sometimes it can get a little accusatory, which is why I've tried to really focus my energy not on saying what a girl's girl is not, but more on saying what she is. Also, quick interlude. The fact that I've recorded this episode two times now means I've said the phrase girl's girl so many times that it kind of doesn't sound like words to me anymore. <laughs> and I feel like even in one episode I could get there, but with the two, I'm struggling. I'm struggling every time I say it. So I'm trying to like both incorporate it because it's the theme of the episode, but also say it as least often as possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel, oh, I have one last point. Um, what I have written in my notes, I don't even know how to transition into it, so I'm just going to tell you, but um, what I wrote is, watching out for other women makes it easier to watch out for yourself. It affirms your intuition and it confirms your reality. And what I mean by this is that when you are like attuned to and 
kind to and respectful to the people around you and you're cognizant of that, you also, I feel like, learn what it means to be those things and how you want to receive those things from other people. And you're able to communicate that and stand up for yourself. So, for instance, now that I am aware of the fact that sometimes I struggle to communicate how I feel, or uh, especially when I feel like disrespected, um, I'm like hyper aware of it now. So I think I check in with myself a lot more often. I'm like, do I feel disrespected in this moment? And if I do, especially say for instance, I'm in a conflict with someone. If I feel disrespect, if I check in with myself a lot more often, then I'm more likely to realize, oh, I do feel disrespected right now. And then I'm able to communicate that with the person I'm in conflict with. And then I'm able to move past it or at least get it off my chest or whatever and do what, whatever steps comes, come next. But being attuned to it in the first place makes me more likely to perceive it, more likely to catch it, and then more likely to address it. So in the same way, being attuned to being a kind and respectful person to all of the people around you, and that's key. Because remember, a girl's girl is not just, she doesn't just look upwards towards being respectful and kind only to men. She is kind to the lowest class of people and therefore to everyone, right? And not only will I feel like, not only do I know that it it actually like in real time will generate better responses from folks, like when you're kind to people, they're more likely to be kind to you. But I think it also will teach you how you want to be received. And it will make the experience of living life like a little bit gentler, in my opinion, a little bit kinder um, and just more pleasant. Um, Yeah. I think I got through all of my points and I must tell you, dear reader, (laughs) you know, a la Bridgerton, that um, I like woke up this morning and there's a stretch. It was like the middle of the night and I just accomplished a bunch of tasks and then I did a yoga class and then like a virtual one and then I was like, I'm going to record my podcast episode. Um, So I'm proud of myself for doing it, but... It is kind of a weird hour, so I'm not sure how coherent this episode was, and I didn't have really well-baked out notes, but I feel confident that I was able to communicate what I aimed, what I set out to do. So with that being said, if you feel like I communicated something to you, if you want to talk about it, you can always email me at um, thevmdiaries at gmail.com, two E's, like the stallion. And uh, you could leave a review on the podcast. That would be so kind of you. We love a review on the podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts and you can rate it on Spotify. And you might be able to leave, you might be able to leave a review as well. Um, but even if you don't do any of those things, which I highly encourage you to do so because they're very kind, but even if you don't do any of those things, I thank you for giving me some of your brain space today of your time, some of your energy. I really appreciate it. It's precious. And um, yeah, I hope that you've been well. Um, Let me know if any of you have like requests for specific stuff you want to hear. I'm kind of toying with what type of episodes I want to do in preparation for the episodes that I like have backlogged planned out. Um, But yeah, so I was thinking maybe about doing like a Q&A 
um, which might be fun or whatever. Just let me know. But um, yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. And I hope that um, in the near future, you're able to do something that pushes you a little bit towards your dream self. And also, I hope that in the near future, you do so by being a girl's girl. Okay, thanks for listening. Bye.